Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Omarvin, and today I'm joined by Grant Little. Just Grant Little, not Yash Thakur, because, well, it, it's a little, well, I don't know if late is, is the term anymore at this time when we're recording, which is just at right about 8, 10 p.m. Eastern time, which is something like 5.30, 5.40 a.m. in India just not quite the the right window for Yash. Like to give you an idea, like when the game ended or around there, when we started talking about when are we going to record the pod, it was like 3 a.m. or something like that for him. Let him sleep while we do this. We'll take over the OGs. Grant, I would assume you're doing pretty good after a 6-0 win over Sturm Graz and progression to the finals of round one of our group. Yeah, man. I I was pumped about the performance. We'll get into it, but I thought the energy levels were super high, and I was really excited about some of the, the performances. Obviously, when you put up six goals, you must be doing something right, so I'm excited to to get into it and, and talk about it. It's been a while since it's been just me and you on the on the pod. We love Yash, but it's like back to the back to the beginning here. It was fun. It was a fun return. I don't know how much we can sit back and take away from this because I think we knew from the beginning that there was an individual quality difference here, but it turned out to be pretty sizable as the match wore on, right? Like these are two different teams facing each other, basically. Although we did play quite well. And that's the thing, right? That's the reason this is fun because, yes, we'll always have these types of teams and encounters where you go in thinking, Real Madrid should just win this without a problem. And then there are some issues. There's some things that are a little tricky, like you're slow and sluggish in possession, right? When you face a team sitting off and we were quick, we created lots of chances. And and it looks like we came in there with a purpose to take everything super seriously and get the job done. And that's exactly what we did from minute one to minute 90. And that's what you can enjoy coming away from these games in terms of like, stepping back and looking at the performance, right? When the initial euphoria of the six goals wears off. And, and that's kind of what I take away, right? We came in and, and we took the game seriously and we got the job done. It's not something to like go crazy about, right? That's what you'd expect from a professional football team of Real Madrid's caliber or Real Madrid's status. But, you know, it doesn't always happen. I mean, how many times have we seen that, especially in, in the Copa del Rey for the men's side and maybe sometimes in the Copa de la Reina for the women's side? We got it done and we achieved the type of scoreline we should right against this type of opponent. So yeah, it was it was just good. The first real game of the season where we get to watch Caroline Weir, Sandy Toledi, Naomi Feller, Kathleen Sousa, all four new signings starting on the pitch. I guess let's let's start with that then, Grant. The starting eleven, those four started and then I think the rest of the players around them weren't that much of a surprise. Maybe Kenty, because Lucia looked good in preseason. I definitely could have seen her performing well today. What did you think about the 11 that Torel chose? Yeah, I think on paper, it looks like a great 11. Obviously, we're, we're spoiled for choice these days with all the, the new signings. I was, I was a little surprised that Kenty got the start. but um, And I was also a bit surprised that Rocio didn't slide in next to Ivana, considering like the magnitude of the game. Obviously, we know that the opponent isn't at the individual quality level as as Real Madrid. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But I kind of expected Toriel to to roll with like the Once de Gala, and maybe he did. Maybe this is what he thinks is the Once de Gala. But I was a little surprised by those two specifically. And um, yeah, I think we could talk a little bit more about the midfield when we get into it. But I wasn't necessarily surprised to see those three starting. But I was. I wouldn't have not been surprised if either Maite or Theresa sl- slotted in there for Toletti, just given the amount of time they all had in preseason. Right. So the 11 was Misa and Goal, Susa, Ivana as the center backs, Olga, Kenti as the fullbacks, Toletti, Zornoza, Weir in midfield, Feller and Athena as the wingers, and Esther up front. I think this might be his Gala 11, at least initially, and with only a couple players, you know, floating in and out. In terms of the midfield, even though it was like Tere starting all those preseason games, this is not to say like, 
oh my God, Fede is not going to be like a significant significant feature in the lineup. But I think that was more about just seeing, can she do that role, right? Because we don't have a real DM in the side if we're going to move to a 4-3-3. And at least from preseason, and I mean, we really know the answer because I mean, we've seen Tede play before, right? But the answer was yes, she can play that role. But ultimately for this game, he picks his most experienced midfield just in terms of the individual reps and, you know, what each player has accomplished, right? Individually would be Zornoza, weird to let be, right? No contest. That didn't surprise me. And we know that Zornoza, as the deeper line player, has her flaws defensively. But I think this was a game Toto came in and assumed, well, we're going to have total control of the ball, not really going to have that many defensive problems. I want those players in charge of everything happening. And it turned out to be absolutely the right call because we literally had no defensive problems whatsoever. Maybe I've forgotten, but I don't, I literally don't remember one. I was going to say the story of this game was the midfield. And then I remember Esther scored four goals. So (laughs) I don't know if I can say that, but right off the bat, I would say the most interesting thing before we even got to the goals was that midfield. What did you think about them, Grant? Because I thought each one of them were absolutely fantastic, but it was how they played together that really tantalized. 100%. I think the synergy between the three, the the flexibility to kind of interchange positions, to be able to get players into optimal spaces where they can best kind of affect the game, I think it was a really great display and great chemistry to see. We're kind of starting that 10 roll on the left, trying to pick those passes, linking up with Athenea, but then you also had Zornosa getting up the pitch and firing off long long shots because of course she was, and Toletti getting up and, and playing some really tantalizing balls into the box and setting up some goals. I thought that the midfield, like you said, was by far the most interesting thing. Obviously, Esther's four goals are probably the most impactful, but looking forward to the season and looking at that midfield and then... We'll get to it, but bringing Tere and Maite off the bench just seems like an absolute cheat code, but I love it. It's great. I can't wait to see how these three work together, but also how we can mix in the others to have different looks and be able to rotate the midfield, something that you know we never thought we could do in past seasons. I thought it was cool how you couldn't really figure out what the formation was or at least for me I I mean I know most people were probably saying double pivot four two three one I thought it was a little trickier than that look ultimately I'll preface it by saying especially for this game doesn't really matter when they were so fluid that you know it just becomes kind of semantics because it's asymmetric this or asymmetric that if it's asymmetric then you know how you're defining it in one line is is kind of arbitrary but, you know, these are the types of things I'm concerned with, right, is, yes, a lot of times you saw Toledi and Zornoza kind of drop in the same horizontal line, which kind of screams double pivot, right? But it was so heavily biased to the right-hand side, right? And whoever was more centered was basically positioned on the halfway circle, while the other one of them was was farther off to the right. And I say either one of them and and that type of language because they were swapping back and forth extremely frequently between who was conducting possession from kind of the fulcrum of the structure, you would say, right? So it was biased a lot of times in that way, but also we're really stuck, or I wouldn't say stuck too, but like her, her point of origin within the possession structure was the high left half space, right? So it was like all vertical lanes were filled in the way you'd expect from a 4-3-3. And then as we progressed the ball forward, the player on the right-hand side would push up and you would get that V structure in midfield. That looked very 4-3-3. But then also, like a lot of times, it was more this L-shape. Weir would come over to the right-hand side and roam from there. And at times, you would have Coletti, who really just seemed to have a free roll on the day, come all the way to the left. and. Overall, I think the way I would define it, just for my own sake, would be asymmetric 4-3-3 that was very fluid and then morphed into, you know, a bunch of different things based off of, you know, Toletti's movement and her desire to, you know, connect, 
connect with Weir and, and Zornoza reacting off of that, right? It was, it was really fun. It was really fun. A lot of times when something like that is happening, you can just be like, oh my God, like this is a mess. But when you're that dominant over an opponent and the players doing that are so good, sometimes it can just come off, man. It was really, really coming off today, right? Because Sturmgras were sitting off in like this passive 5-4-1 block, not really able to apply pressure on our deeper ball carriers. And so, you know, they, they could just kind of roam where they please, look up and, and try to make a play, then move somewhere else, attack the next best position and, and just keep things going. And, and the speed of play at times and how vertical we were and how much play was going through the center was, was really enjoyable to watch. And that is something, even when we're playing really weak opponents, that we don't see a lot, right? A lot, like the line's constantly being shattered. Lots of options, you know, receiving back to goal, attracting defenders forward opening up space for through balls tend to be a team that's even when we're really good offensively, even when we're playing weaker teams, it's all to the flanks and, you know, everything starts from there, right? This was a different looking Real Madrid where the midfield really took control of how everything was happening. Now, again, like I said, I don't know how much you can really project this in terms of performance to other games versus better opposition. And I don't even know if you want to do that, right? It's just one game. Let's just wait and see. But that was the case versus Sturmgras. And I think you could say that with players like Weir, with players like Toletti, the ability to just diversify what we're doing offensively just by getting in these players, it goes up and it, and it gets better. And that's, that's why I say it was the most interesting thing, you know, beyond just like the little quirk with the, with the formation. So... I guess we can touch on each player individually really quickly and what you thought about them. But so let's go with Zornoza Grant. Lots of long shots, but also lots of great play. What do you think of her performance? Yeah, I kind of thought this was the classic big game Zornosa performance. Just good on the ball, good in recovering possession, lots of long shots testing the keeper looking to play that final ball to really split the defense. It didn't come off as much as she may have liked today, but I think that we were in a place where we were able to really counterpress and win the ball back even when those passes didn't come off, and you were able to maintain those second waves of possession. Ability to switch the ball to, to the flanks, and you, you talked about it, the interchangeability with Toletti to allow each of them to kind of drop deeper, but then also to get up front and pull the strings in that final third. I thought it was a, it was a solid performance. Yeah, she was she was very very good on the ball, and I know I'm an outlier here. I would like it if there weren't like ninety thousand long shots a game, but she's gonna score like one banger again, and it's gonna feel like it's all worth it. But in terms of controlling the pace of play, in terms of the interchangeability and her mobility off ball to get to where she needed to be. I, I thought it was all great. And it really did feel like, I think classic, you know, Zornoza performance is kind of the right way to phrase it because it really did feel that way. In terms of Toletti, I, I mean, I'd already, I've already said a lot about her, but I think it probably can be a little bit of this perception, at least that she, she's more of an enforcer and that she comes in to provide that steal in midfield. And that's part of it, but she's also just like really good on the ball. And I think that would be proven in the matches to come. Again, I'm not saying what happens here, just it is evidence of everything I'm trying to say. But the fact that she was driving forward with the ball, looking to break lines, connecting with Weir, and often initiating a lot of those balls to start all these attacks, right? With Zornoza doing a little bit of the deeper work in possession. I mean, it's, it's a sign of the style of player that she is. And it's a lot of combination work. It's a lot of things that lead to line breaking actions. She is that type of player. And that completeness of her is what makes her so exciting. And it's why out of all of these players that we did bring in and have brought in over the years, like she's up there and maybe like top three of the ones that have excited me the most. So I don't know if I've left anything to say about Toledi, but what do you think of her? And then you can just transition straight to Weir and I'll pick up the bits after that. Yeah, I thought she had a good performance. And I think, like you said, 
that final ball will come, but she did also play that little chipped pass to Esther, which Esther then did some work bringing the ball down, turning, playing it to Feller, and then leads to the second goal. I thought another good performance, and I just think like after coming off the Euros and not having much rest, if this is how she's playing now, once she gets into pro- like in the middle of the season, has more time with the teammates, I feel like sh- she's going to be just a key cog in this midfield. Super excited about how she performed today. And I think that her and Weir, when they're getting so far up the pitch, they provide so much offensively, but they also provide quite a lot when counterpressing, when winning the ball back and maintaining and like regaining possession. And I think once they win that ball back or someone else wins that ball back and they're able to find them in those locations, they're able to play those little slip balls. We, we know that Weir's got a shot on her and we know that um, Sandy Toletti can find the back of the net too. She had a couple of good shots today. And I think that it's gonna we're gonna see a lot of goals and assists from both of those two, or you know the the classic hockey assist where it's the pass that leads to the assist and then to the goal. So again, another solid performance. But we'll we'll transition to Caroline Weir, who I thought was one of the best players on the pitch today. Incredible, incredible performance. Loved her linking up with Olga and Athenea and Esther. I thought. Her chemistry for only playing in the preseason so far with these players is off the charts. The little slip balls, the ability to lead players into space with perfectly weighted passes, dangerous on set pieces, whether direct or indirect. The 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 trident of Weir, Esther, and Athenea running at back lines to press is just the stuff of nightmares. I think they're so, so good at it, and it'll only improve as they get more time together. And, I mean, the touch, right, on that second goal. It it was incredible, just encapsulates the class that she has. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant performance from her. You saying last podcast that she's just the type of player that will be good for Esther or something to that effect or who would dovetail really well with her was just so spot on. I mean, I was really taken aback because... It was not like they weren't playing well together in preseason, but it just like seemed to flip to another year versus Thermgras where they genuinely combined at a volume that you don't really see. Like it's generally hard to access forwards like that, right? Because they operate in where space is least. And she played so many one twos with her and looked to open up in, into combinations. And like, it was just great. It was like we're understood how and where Esther was going to move and how to take advantage of Esther's tendencies at times to drop off to the ball. And she did that off ball too. We all know she's great, right? This doesn't prove anything, but it's nice to see it every time you go and watch her. Wow, what a performance. That deft touch on, was it Feller's goal? Yep, right. The so, second yeah, goal. right, where you know Zornoza plays it to Toledi and Toledi plays that ball you were talking about. That's just that's just why you watch the sport, right? Like for that sort of magic. And I think maybe the only thing after this game is she's probably gonna have a little talk with Zornoza and be like that long shot thing. That that was my thing at City. So uh, let's divvy up that distribution a little bit. But I think this was a good demonstration stylistically of all the things Caroline Weir offers you in possession. And I just, I keep going back to where she positions herself and where she likes to do her work. And that so much of it is between the lines. So much of it is about offering constant connections to players to just make everything stronger as a team, as a possession unit, that this is the exact type of profile that Real Madrid have been crying out for when it comes to their issues in possession, where things are too flat, where things are too wide, where there's not enough options between the lines, whether that be in the 4-4-2 or the super wide wingers under Toril or all the issues that were there under Asnar, the only two players who really gave that were Aslani and Maite Rose. And Aslani, a lot of the time, had to play as a lone number nine. And Maite has barely got any opportunities to play as an advanced midfielder. And then outside of them, it was Cardona providing it as a secondary attribute to what she normally provided, right? This is the first time we have a player who both is elite 
at doing the stuff between the lines, but will also get to play there consistently every game because that's what her quality demands. And it's going to be a game changer, right? Ultimately, a lot of it will still have to come back to what are the long-term structural fixes in possession, but you can only do that by having great players who can allow you to make those changes in. I think it's going to be a good one this season. Like she's going to add a lot. I think it was a huge deal that the first goal, when it's it's a, it's that switch of play, right, over to Athenea, and like it's it's a very difficult one to control, and it bounces off her head. A lot of instances that might just be a loss of possession because when Madrid build up, there's no one there that high, that close between the lines in that half space to connect play and keep it alive, right? And, and work those combos. But Weir is there and she picks it up, turns what probably is like could be classified as a loose ball into a pass, an accurate pass, returns the ball, and Athena is able to put a cross into the box. And Esther does what she does best, gets into the box, rises up and puts it away. And that's 1-0. And we never really look back from there. So lovely, lovely player who, if it wasn't for like, you know, my weird obsession with Toledi over like the last year or two, like she would absolutely be the one I'm most excited about because she fixes a lot and we've needed her for a long time. I think that's a lot of the broad stuff out of the way in terms of why well, that's the midfield out of the way. Actually, we talked for, we talked for a while now, but that's just the midfield. Where do you want to go from here? Do we want to get into the goals since I already described the first one? We can, but I just want to add something really quickly. Like the level of intensity and purpose that they started this game with was unlike almost anything I've seen other than maybe the city games last year. I think that the intensity, like the high press, the counter press, just putting your foot on the pedal and just gassing it the entire game from the first whistle to the final whistle, regardless of what was happening, regardless of scoreline. There was like a lethalness and uh, control over this game that I don't know if we've seen a 90-minute performance quite like that in all of our time covering the game. And I think like immediately from the kickoff, you could see it. And I was I was wondering if it was going to kind of quell after the first goal or the second goal. But they maintained it regardless of who was on the pitch. And it was something that I really liked. And I thought it was crucial to setting the tone in this game. It was a great performance as evidenced by the six goals we managed to score. So the first one I've already gone into, I don't think it needs necessarily that more that much more description. Is there Anything you want to add to that, Grant? No, I think you've, you've got that one down. Okay, the second one we've also kind of described already, but let's, let's do it properly. It initially starts from a corner kick where Esther brings down a punch from a goalkeeper and is able to put the ball back into the area, but Sturmgras are able to clear it again. And this is where the weird touch comes because possession falls to her. She just kills it in the air, feeds Zornoza, who swings it around to Toletti, and Toletti one touch, second touch, bang, ball into the box. Esther gets onto it and, and does a really good job bringing it under control and then swiveling around to create separation and then puts in a good lofted kind of cutback into the air for Naomi Feller, who is in the box at that point, just kind of roamed in there and finishes. I think there might have been like a deflection there or something. I couldn't quite tell from the angles, but ultimately was a pretty good goal. No, I thought it was a really intelligent run from Feller on that backside and able to drift off in the blind spot and put it put it in the back of the net. It did like look like it maybe took a hit or something. Maybe um, it, it was a little soft, but it, it got into the back of the net and... Yeah, it was, a, it was a really beautiful worked goal. Esther, by the way, in that first half, could have had a hat-trick. She sends a rebound over the bar, and then she ends up hitting the post, or the bar, sorry. So the first one, the one she sent over was a header, and it was one of those where it like looked easier to score than it did to miss, but I, I think it just came off the top of her head and ultimately would have been difficult to bring it down, but 
was still a pretty good chance. And then the, the 40th minute one was from across from Kenti and she strikes it into the ground and then it goes off the bar. And, and that could have been the hat trick goal had she, she scored on that earlier chance. Half time and Toril already sees fit to make some changes because a very, very comfortable 2-0 lead. And why not, you know, let's see what some of the others can do. And Toletti had done her job up until this point, played a very intense box-to-box type game, came off for Tere, and then Feller, the goal scorer, came off for Sveva. And because it's Sveva coming on, it moved Athenea to the right-hand side, and it brought Olga up a position on the left. But it was essentially like the same type of formation, you know, structure thing. Um, maybe with, you know, now that Olga's on the left wing, a little less movement inside from that player. Um, but, you know, because Zornoza was still on, it was still going to be a similar dynamic in terms of Zornoza, the, Zornoza deeper, Tede also deeper because she's at the pivot interchanging with Zornoza and, and we're still staying a lot higher, like, you know, some kind of pseudo attacking midfielder. And we still looked really good. It didn't matter, right? We were just in a flow at that point. And Esther just would not be denied in the 53rd minute, receives between the lines and feeds Kenti down the overlap. And this time, Esther is able to convert off the Kenti cross, again, rising high in the air and putting it away. There's one thing with this goal, though, is there was a moment because when she picks up the ball, Athenea makes a run in the channel. And there is a moment there for sure. And I rewatched multiple times to see whether I'm being fair. Like if Esther like makes a really quick decision there, she can actually slide a through ball into Athenea and Athenea will be, will be in on goal. It's, I wouldn't say it's a small window because the gap between the two center backs are wide, but the weighting of the pass has to be absolutely spot on or the goalkeeper's probably going to rush out and get it or the fullback is going to be able to kind of recover in time and cut it out. And so this is by no means an easy action, but Esther like takes a beat, right? She just doesn't know whether she wants to play that pass. She's not able to process it quickly enough, holds the ball, kind of like drifts with the ball to the side, waits for the Kenti overlap, finds the next best option, and it still ends up being in a goal. And I just thought it was funny because I think it encapsulates Esther's game and impact so well, right? You know, not that anyone was picking up on this, but this frustration that, oh, she gets to the ball and doesn't release it quickly enough. All this is a very extreme example of that. And then ultimately, the impact still being a clear net positive because she still is able to progress the ball forward, even if it's not the immediate best progressive option. And she, re- she recovers into the box to be able to generate a good shot and ends up scoring. I think that just encapsulates Esther which is, I'm not trying to rag on her or anything. I thought she was brilliant today, um, but I just thought that was funny. And I don't know if you have a commentary on that, but uh, leave the floor open if you want to discuss anything about the goal as a whole. I know I I'm mean, taking everything. No, you're good. It was just a, like Esther was out here posterizing those defenders today. Just the ability to rise above everyone, even when there was one or two defenders around her, is really, really good performance and just as we get through all these goals just displaying different types of finishes it was just a really complete game from her I thought today and you know I thought there were even times where she could have been more selfish and thought she actually did release the ball pretty well obviously like you said this was an extreme example and there's always things you can nitpick but there were some times where I was like man just shoot it like you're sitting on a hat trick or you've got like whatever I thought she did a really good job of Combining with Weir, like we talked about, spreading the ball wide, I thought it was a really, really great performance from Esther today. Yeah, and we're not done. In fact, she was only just getting started because after Zornoza bows out, right, slowly the, the starting midfield will come off, makes her way for Maite. Esther ends up getting that hat trick. And it's from Sveva, actually, to arguably most criticized player in preseason who drives down the left and puts a very good ball into the box. And 
Esther just pulls it away brilliantly with an excellent volley. I think that's the pick of the bunch just in terms of pure technique, like because it's kind of hanging like back a little bit, almost necessarily to avoid the defenders. But Esther like has to stop, like reorient her body and just find a way to connect and pull it away. And she gets such a severe angle on it that it's able to go, you know, kind of like to the far side of the keeper, right? You think maybe the best way to strike that is near post. And she just pulls it all the way across and it's in. And what a goal. Incredible finish. I mean, the technique to keep that low, let alone like put it in the top corner, like putting it in the top corner is always the pretty thing to do. But taking that ball out of the air and keeping that low is just, I couldn't dream of doing that. Like that's, that's so difficult. You see so many people try that and it goes into the like 12th row in the stands or higher. What a finish. It was, it was brilliant. So we have another sub where Muller comes on to replace Weir and then Esther scores again. It's like she was taking the subs as a cue. It was like, oh shit, I could come off next. I gotta, I gotta end up scoring. And Maite makes her contribution, lost a brilliant ball into the box, and Esther puts it away. Great ball from Maite. Class touch to bring it down. Easy finish. It was, at this point, you... You couldn't have guessed how many we were going to score. We were on a roll. And Esther, with, with four goals, was probably thinking about getting a, a du- like doubling her hat trick at this point. I joke about Esther using the subs as kind of a signal to go and score another goal because she does end up getting subbed off pretty much immediately after this. It was like Toril was kind of taking mercy on Sturm Graz, but also probably saying like Esther is going to go insanely hard to pick up like her eighth goal. Like it's not worth it. Like let's just prevent any possibility of an injury here when the game is more than wrapped up. Ends up taking her off. And that's when Naikari comes on, who was the final substitution of the night. And it was at this point a proper 4 4 2, 4 3 3 1. No little weird quirks with the formation because Muller was on, right? And so it was a proper front two with a proper double pivot. And Real Madrid weren't done, even though Esther was done, because Akane ended up making it 6-0 from a, a through ball from Muller. So Muller was able to get involved as well. I don't know if you have anything you want to say about that goal. Yeah, I actually do, because I think this demonstrates exactly what we were saying about Muller and her tendencies. This is this all stems from Naikari back to goal play. She lays it off to Muller. Muller does well to turn and then slides through Athene. And I think you don't see that kind of play happen if Muller's out on the wing. You see that when she's not only up front, but with a second striker like Naikari, and they work together to link up, and then they're able to play in a winger. And I think that was like a perfect encapsulation of what we talked about last podcast. Yeah, well said. And I I think this game, while not about projecting future performance, was just a good stylistic showcase. I think that's the way I'll put it. And if you want to take away something from that, from this game, it's that. So that's basically the run of events of everything that's happened. Now I think we can kind of touch on the rest of the players. We've gone through the midfield extensively. I don't know how much we can say about like keeper defense, but yeah, I don't think Misa touched the ball. <laughs> yeah, like Misa was probably like the only one who was not happy with what was going on in the entire stadium, besides the Stern guys, player, staff, and coach. And by the way, it was really nice to see the stadium like properly packed for this one. The fullbacks were probably the, the only defenders that were like significantly involved enough to really like comment on how do you feel about Olga and Kenti today? I thought this is just what we've come to expect from Olga. Great performance, bombing up and down the flank, able to play in the attack, able to play left back. And for Kenti, I thought this was her ideal game, like being able to basically throw defensive caution to the wind and just be in the attack. I thought she did really well with the ball at her feet, playing the crosses, got the assist. I thought they both had really good games. <laughs> Ended up being more like midfielders with Ivana and Sosa back there, kind of chilling with with them just like pushing up, trying to win the ball back, playing in crosses, combining. I thought it was a good game from both of them. I thought it was a solid game from both. I kind of felt like Olga was maybe a little quieter than normal, but just because like she didn't need to 
she didn't need to be loud. You know, it almost might've taken away from what others were doing. Right. And if you're a fullback, sometimes you have to kind of just facilitate for others. I mean, it's not to say she was bad or anything. I thought she was good. And then obviously she was more involved when she went up to be a winger. I thought Kenty was really sharp. And Kenty is someone who's come under a lot of criticism last season because her level did drop off and wasn't the same 2020-21 Kenty Robles who were like, could this be the best right back in the league type situation? I don't know if we get that version back, but it was nice to see her like really switched on with everything. When she locks in defensively, she's a very good defensive player. But even in her best season at Madrid, there are times where she'd switch off at the back posts and stuff. Never tested in that way in this game, but there are times where she had to recover. The initial counter press was broken and she would come over and, and just snatch the ball out of the air, make an interception and, and get it going. And I think hopefully she realizes a little bit with Lucia being primed to become more important this season, she's going to have to raise her game back to the level we're used to for her to continue to, to, to remain and get those minutes. And this is, I think, probably the first step for her in trying to prove that to Toril, where Toril probably picked her because experience, all of that. And Kendi probably looks at him and says, yeah, continue doing that, right? I'm going to show you that, why, why I should be considered as the more reliable force. Ultimately, I think we'll get a pretty even split of minutes. But uh, I think it would be good for everyone involved if we got the real Kenti Robles back. Again, try not to be too harsh when... I think we could say that about a lot of players last season, given how weird that season was. But uh, Kenty at her best is a completely different opposition uh, proposition. Hopefully not opposition. Yeah, just ask Manchester City, right? Yes, I would love a repeat. I would love a repeat of that. Those were Kenty's two best games. They were like incredible, incredible performances from a defensive perspective and offensive. So yeah, hopefully this is a sign of of, of better things to come, specifically with that game versus Manchester City. So those are the fullbacks. We can comment on the front line, and I, I think I don't think there's necessarily need for both of us to comment on each player. We can just, you know, pick through and see who we want to talk about. Obviously, we've already gone over Esther, who, by the way, also had an assist as well, and is the first player in Real Madrid Femino history to have a poker after becoming only the third Real Madrid Femino player to have a hat trick on top of Muller versus Breda Blake and Aslani versus Valencia. I'll let you talk about Atene, and obviously you can add more on, on to what I'm about to say, but Feller definitely had the quietest game of any of the starters in terms of those who were involved in like the final third stuff going on in the pitch. But I still liked what I saw. Obviously, she scored the goal, but outside the goal, you can probably go through and not pick out that many things for highlights, but... What I've been most interested with her in preseason is how does some of that off-ball stuff scale up? And I don't know if you can argue this is scaling because I don't think Sturmgras is that different in quality to the opponents we face or the level we face because Real Sociedad, as an entity, are by far the best team but didn't really play like that, didn't have the players to play like that. So it wasn't like this was a step up in level. But I just want to see if it continues and how much of this is just oh, this is a cute stylistic thing versus something real that she contributes every game. And it was very nice for me to see that she floats inside to receive between the lines and make something happen close to the box where one of her shots ended up coming from her timings oh so well, a run from the, from the touchline inside. Toledi finds it with a sharp vertical pass. And I think her shot is deflected from the edge of the box and it goes out of play. And those are the types of things, those types of movements in sync with good passers that just open up defenses. I'm really hoping to see more of that as we get into the games versus better opponents. So that's what I wanted to say about Feller. You can add more if you want, but uh, Athenea is all yours. Yeah, I'll just go straight into Athenea. I thought in the first half she was exceptional. I think she kind of set the tone along with Esther and Caroline Weir on the on the pace of play especially defensively but I thought she was so good offensively cutting inside going down the the flank almost had a screamer of a goal that was tipped off for that chance where Esther um headed it over the bar assisted with her left foot scored with her right foot was doing great 
defensive work. There was a moment where she ended up on the right flank, putting in a slide tackle, winning the ball back, and starting a counter. I thought she was everywhere, and she was just a spark plug. I mean, constantly moving, constantly causing issues. And her and her link up with Caroline Weir was was great. I thought, you know, she kind of calmed down in the second half, but was able to pop up for the goal. Overall, really, really solid performance. Yeah, really not that much to add in terms of substitutes. Maite, Tede, Sveva, Naikari, and who's the other player I'm missing? Muller. Muller. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of touched on all of them as we were just going through the game. Reiterate that just very nice to see Maite come in and just instantly make an impact. It's been tough for her under Toril. I don't think it's a case of not seeing her quality. It's been a case of like, how does she fit in with the way I want to play? And now that we finally moved to a formation where it's like, oh, look, this, this really could be the perfect role for Maite. You have Caroline Weir come in and Sandy Toledi come in, who you would say are both perfect as interiors in front of a defense and midfielder. But that's life at Real Madrid, man. And Imagine what it must have been like to be a Sturmgras player, seeing Weir and Toledi come off and thinking, yes, they're finally off. And then you say, see Tere and Maite come on. You're just like, give me a break. And they just didn't get a break. So that was cool. Um, probably the only player who wasn't that notable as a sub was Naitari, but she came on last. And by that point, there was not that much going on in the game. All right. That's it, right? Anything else you want to say about the game? Next up, Manchester City. You know who scored the first goal in that tie last time around? <laughs> Caroline Weir. <laughs> but this time, she's wearing white. So this game is only three days from now. Like, there's, there's no rest here. This is a redo of last time out. And to be honest, this was an opponent I really did not want. Because even though we beat them, that was a Manchester City who were honestly having like as bad a time as us it just it's just started earlier like a complete mess they also had some injuries and etc etc that being said so did we and look we were just the better team over those two legs but they're gonna want some revenge they're gonna want some revenge for sure they're a new look team so i don't know exactly what to expect from them like i did previously where it was just you know all bread and butter garrett taylor tactics with the same players like I only needed to watch them so many times to to know what it was going to be. And I watched them way more. I think it'll still be a lot of bread and butter Gareth Taylor tactics, but there's a lot of new players in there. Players that we know, like Laia Alexandri and Dana Castellanos, like players we know very well, but not in the context of Manchester City. And that will make things a little tougher for us game planning wise, because what was so great about our performance versus Manchester City last time out is we just had the right defensive plan and executed really well. I wouldn't say we need to do something necessarily ultra drastic from that, but also the way we play might change given that the quality in the squad is a lot better now and it might not necessarily make the most sense to play in exactly the same way we did. Although when you consider the high press and the intensity and that being such a huge feature of the first leg, that might be a seamless way to approach that game. But look, City are coming for revenge for sure. To get knocked out by us twice in a row is not something they'll ever be able to live down. And we won't, we won't let them ever forget it, for sure. Um, especially Gareth Taylor. Especially Gareth Taylor. And especially now that we have Caroline Weir, right? Like, not that, that this is, will decide it, right? But it's always kind of fun to say, look, she made the right decision, you know? Like, she left at the right time. She came to the right club. And we can joke about us beating, that, beating them then, last year, as the reason she left and, and all that good stuff. But... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about that one, actually, when I wasn't really nervous about it last year, where the stakes were lower, where it was just kind of like, this is our first time, you know, Man City don't know what to expect from us, they'll probably underrate us, they're not going to underrate us this time, especially not when Weir has gone over there. So that's next. We'll, I think, probably get to a point where we maybe break down Manchester City for you or something like that. I, that that's not really this podcast. But what I can highlight for you is um, the last podcast we mentioned very briefly, the qualification process and, and all of that. Marina 
wrote a brilliant article breaking the entire thing down. And the interesting thing about this in direct relevance to the match today is she had some little scenario planning where if we're able to get into round two, what is the best path for us to the group stage? Basically, who are the best set of opponents we can face? And essentially, and you should read the full article to get this. It's literally like I'm putting it as a sidebar in every single Las Blancos article. So you don't even have to need to scroll down. Just click the player ratings from Parshva and, uh, or sorry, click the immediate reaction from me and you'll see that it's right there at the end. But basically, when you progress to round two, in the league path, there are six teams that have already qualified for round two, but only four of them will get put into pot one, right? And the four teams that progress will constitute a second pot with one of those team, one of those teams moving into pot one. So basically, two pots, 10 teams, five in each pot, two who have already qualified get pushed into pot two, one from who, who qualifies from round one gets pushed into pot one. And pot one is Bayern, PSG, Arsenal, Sparta, Praha. And this is all decided based on the club UEFA coefficient, right? And so if we are to get into pot one, should we beat Manchester City? We would have needed Fortuna Hjoring and Glasgow City to get knocked out. Because they were the two sides besides Manchester City, which is a moot point because if we lose to them, we don't make it. And if we knock them out, they're not in the equation. They were the two sides who had better UEFA coefficients than us. And if they had qualified or, or they had, if they were going to qualify, they would get into pot one over us. And we would have the very real possibility of facing one of Bayern, Arsenal, or PSG, which, look, we always want to believe, but it's probably game over, right? Like our backs are against the wall. We'd be big underdogs especially if it was PSG. If we beat Manchester City, we will be guaranteed to make it into pot one because guess what? Fortuna and Glasgow lost. They lost. They didn't even make it to the finals of their group. They're out. And so the path is clearing. Look, Manchester City, insanely tough task, but there is a high possibility that throughout this entire qualification process, Manchester City is the toughest opponent we face. So. I'm just saying it's a good sign. It's far from done. We could very well lose to Manchester City, but that is undoubtedly a good sign. And thank you, Marina, for writing that thread, which then turned into an article because it ended up coming clutch and your, your scenario planning basically worked out exactly as you intended. And things look good for us if we're able to clear what probably will be our toughest hurdle now. The next thing is not so much like an issue as much as it is just kind of news and like, We'll talk about it very briefly, but I guess people have mixed feelings about this. And this is the LPFF getting an agreement with La Liga. So this is Javier Tebas for a five-year agreement, which is an exclusive commercial sponsorship rights assets type deal, where La Liga will be the ones in charge of marketing the competition, right? That's kind of the main role that they will be playing. So they take charge of you know, pushing it forward, making sure people know it's there and essentially attracting sponsors and, and all of that stuff. And basically, this will be worth 42 million euros to the LPFF. So this is real money. And that's, that's, that's a sign of part of why, look, there's a reason the RFEF and Bidubiales wanted to like sink their teeth into this league and keep a hold of it because they knew real money was coming. And this is an example of it. And in a vacuum, like that's just a good thing, right? Like this is the type of stuff that should be happening. The thing is, is like the reason people were so mixed to it is like, you know, what is it to move from Rubiales to Tebas, right? From one to the other. These are two that have been fighting for control over multiple things in Spanish football for a very long time and constantly causing issues wherever they go. I guess the good thing here is that audiovisual rights have not been picked up by La, by La Liga, which means that at least for now, we can hope that there won't be the ridiculous application of copyright policy. But La Liga just being in charge of the league, I wouldn't say it makes me nervous, but I do have questions about it, right? Because they have consistently seen these revenue increases in La Liga, but it seems easier with a more established product. And when you actually dig into the way they go about their business, is there that much creative marketing 
to what they do, right? Like their weird focus on, you know, copyright issues and all of that tells me they don't seem to understand the way, you know, the modern, you know, fan base, you know, modern markets work, right? And women's football is more dependent, you know, on fan engagement, you know, and online engagement and online streaming and, and all of that than men's football, right? There have been reports, multiple reports been put out by like FIFA, UEFA and independent organizations to outline this. Will La Liga really understand that? Because it seems they kind of generally have an old fashioned way of going about things. I don't know. We'll have to see. I, this is just more coming from a general reservation about the way La Liga have handled multiple things and a reservation about Tebas than like real considered analysis about all the financial nuances here. But this is just an addendum to the podcast. So I'll just kind of leave it there. What are your thoughts on it, Grant? Yeah, I've got some reservations as well. I think that anyone who watches La Liga on a regular basis and has seen some of the commercials and things that they've put together, like, it can't be football, it's got to be something else or something like that, shows <laughs> their their uh, their marketing style, and I'm not exactly sure I agree with it, but um, they also show that god-awful commercial about what happens when you share clips of their league and it makes everyone's life hell, apparently, even though it's just promoting their brand for free. That's a whole nother topic, but um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some some worries, but I think that a deal of 42 million euros is obviously very good. I'm very interested to see where the, the media rights end up, because I think that'll play a large role into how we eventually feel about this decision. Yeah, that is key, and it's still really annoying that that has not been sorted out at this point. But look, they only sorted out the calendar situation like a week ago. So I think giving them like maybe six and a half years to sort this out is fair, I think. So um, we'll wait that long. <laughs> um, ramble to the end. At this point, I'm not sure whether I missed something or not because my tabs are all over the place. But uh, anything else, Grant? Big match on Sunday. Another meeting with Manchester City, but this time it's a one-off, right? The stakes are quite a bit higher. I'm excited to see how this team rises to the occasion. All right, we'll end it on that note. As always, Grant, a pleasure. Happy to be back, guys. Happy to be back on the regular beat. These podcasts will be regular again, and uh, hopefully it's a much nicer start to the season than last time out. See you later, and let's hope. (laughs) A la Madrid. A la Madrid. (laughs)